you know, if people can afford to contribute to their community, to try to make a difference in their community, I would encourage them to do it. Right now, things are changing in the world, and they're changing here at UQ. But within all this change, there has been a profound lesson in the importance of community, and that even in our most difficult times, we find our own ways to give back and support one another. My name is Zoe, and this is the third in a short series of podcasts for our celebration of Giving Week in lieu of our traditional annual giving event. Today, we're talking to Cynthia Burnett, who in 2018 established the Cynthia Burnett Travel Scholarship to support UQ European language students studying overseas. Through her foundation, Cynthia also supports UQ's Francis Baron Burnett Stimulation Centre, which provides a safe space for medical students and healthcare professionals to build their practical skills. For Cynthia, her giving has been the opportunity to guide change and progress in the world through the next generation. This is her story of giving. Hi, Cynthia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Zoe. Um, So today I wanted to talk a little bit about your role in giving to UQ. But to start off, maybe let's talk about your involvement with UQ, not just through giving, but throughout your life. So I understand you have quite a long relationship and involvement with UQ. First, your father, who was one of our first medical graduates, and then yourself. I understand you have a Bachelor of Arts, a Master of Arts, and a Master of Education Studies from UQ. That's correct. So you've had a career as a teacher of modern European languages, and obviously this long-standing interest with education. So what are some of the languages that you taught in your career, and were there any particularly important moments that you think stood out to you? Well, I was very fortunate to be able to undertake a double honours degree in French and German at UQ. This is going back a long time ago, of course, the late 60s. And I undertook that. And I also had an interest in Italian. And at the end of my second year of studies, one of my French lecturers said, if you're interested in learning another Latin language, now would be the time to start. But anyway, he encouraged me to start learning Italian, uh, which I was able to do through the the Dante Alighieri Society in Brisbane at the time. And so I completed to their advanced level going to evening classes while I was doing my French and German during the day. I suppose really the highlight of my studies, Zoe, was the fact that I applied for and very luckily won two scholarships to go to study in Europe so that I could continue to study those languages and bring them up to native speaker standard. So one scholarship was to go and spend 12 months teaching in France And the uh, second scholarship was for a three-month full-time course at one of the big Goethe institutes in Germany to um, advance my German. And then I spent six months in in Italy at my own expense studying Italian there at an institute called the Eurocenter. So I think that was the actual, the culmination of my studies that was the highlight, those scholarships which enabled me to go overseas and um, have a life-changing experience. Well, it must have been amazing working and living in a country I think, that you can learn so much. And, of course, speaking a language, you can learn so much about a culture and, and more than you would necessarily learn just in a classroom. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. And so what do you think it is that you love about language learning that's inspired you to have this career and also, of course, to establish your scholarship? I think the strongest message I took away from those early two, I was in Europe for two years as a result of those scholarships. It taught me that what really matters in understanding the world and understanding how people 
interact and understanding what can unite us and what can separate us, I came to the conclusion that it wasn't the colour of a person's skin, it wasn't what language they spoke, because people can always learn another language, but it struck me that culture was the factor that mattered the most, because it's through our culture that we develop the values that we hold in life. And Mm -hmm. I think to be put into a position through a scholarship, for example, where you can really have some in-depth experience of another culture, as opposed to, you know, a two-week two week cruise up the Rhine River or a two-week bus tour of Europe where you, you know, 15 days, eight countries. It, it's fun, but it's a very superficial way to understand other parts of the world, I feel. And I'd say that that was my strongest take-home message was that what really matters is culture. So I think it's those kinds of experiences are important if someone can manage to have them because it also helps clarify your own values more sharply. I think it helps clarify your own strengths and weaknesses and I think those are all valuable lessons to learn. Maybe tell me a little bit about your scholarship. Why did you decide to establish it and what was the kind of process of establishing that scholarship? Well the reason I chose a travel scholarship was to give back what I'd been given as a student, to to give back to another student the opportunities that that I had had so that they could have a life-enhancing at the minimum and a life-changing at the maximum kind of experience from experiencing another culture through the language and through spending a bit more in-depth time living in the culture. That's the rationale behind it. The process was really quite just straightforward. I just let the university know that I was interested in establishing the scholarship and the rest of it was just routine paperwork. I understand you've um, met Audrey, the inaugural recipient. What was it like to meet the first Cynthia Burnett Scholar? It, it was a great pleasure. Um, yes, she's obviously um, a student with a lot of linguistic talent and it was very interesting to see how she had come to the place where she was in life in terms of learning learning other languages. And she was very appreciative, of course, of the opportunity to do what she planned on doing. And um, the feedback that we've had from her already indicates that things are going very well for her. I think students really appreciate the opportunity to be able to go overseas and getting to live in a different culture because, like you said, it is very different to just travelling somewhere when you get to live there and speak the language and meet the locals. Yes. You also give through your charity the Ford Burnett Charitable Foundation, which you established in honour of your father in 2011. Could you explain the areas that you give to at UQ through that and why you decided you wanted to be involved with philanthropy? first through that process? My father and I discussed his estate planning before he passed away. And he'd always supported biomedical research in particular himself through years and years and years of donating, decades of donating. And he was very keen for a good portion of his estate to be devoted to charitable work. He encouraged me to try to donate in a way that resulted in something tangible, and knowing that it was being of benefit to other people. So when the money became available, I had a look at what the University of Queensland was looking for funding for at the time, and I came across a project that was in the very early stages, and that was the university, uh, as you would know, uh, partners with Greenslopes Hospital as a clinical training institution, and they were wanting to establish a a clinical learning and teaching centre. And in that project, I saw the opportunity to marry both my father's wishes with my own interests. And that was 
something medical with something educational. So it seemed the ideal project. So we began by purchasing these mannequins that would allow students to have a range of um, experiences. The mannequins are controlled by somebody operating the computer and it gives the students an opportunity to practice their developing skills in a non-threatening environment. And by that I mean they can't do any harm to a real patient. And it's, it's grown from there. Each year new equipment is bought and some of the older equipment is serviced and maintained. And I've been invited several times to go out and see how things are progressing there. And it's wonderful the range of the range of people that have been able to make use of the centre. It's not just medical students, but it's medical graduates, current practising GPs, even specialists and other allied health professionals, paramedics, nurses, a wide variety of people are finding that there's something being offered there through that centre or through that learning, teaching and learning centre uh, that is of use to them. So that's very rewarding to know. I can see the result of what the money has done and I can understand how much good it's doing. So it's a very satisfying feeling to know that that's the kind of contribution you can make. Oh, I imagine, especially with upskilling people. And I think the non-threatening environment is so important because when you're dealing with real patients, I, I think for students it would be quite scary to go straight from the textbook to, to real people. So having somewhere where they can really put those skills into use would be great. Mm, that's the thing that students tend to comment mostly on uh, in the first instance after they've had an experience with one of those mannequins is that they didn't have to worry about were they doing the wrong thing or were they harming the patient in any way. But it's the, the computer that operates them or the computer operator who, do, who manages the program as the students are at the bedside, they can do things like make the mannequin vomit in the middle of an examination and the student has to be on their toes as to know how to deal with that um, in the middle of, a, of some other kind of an examination so that they, it, they start small and then the other challenges become a little bit greater as time goes by, all controlled by the computer. It's an amazing piece of technology. So as a part of this slightly different celebration of giving this year, we're looking at why people give. So what do you think the importance of philanthropy is and what do these gifts mean to you? Look, I think there are a lot of people in the world who want to make a difference. They want their lives and their actions to make a difference. And whether that be on a global scale, in their own society or in their own community, they want to make a difference and there are many different ways one can contribute and donating money is one of those ways. And I, as I said, I, I prefer to donate in the way that my father had envisioned and that was to donate for very practical purposes, you know, to, to end up seeing bricks and mortar or equipment that is going to benefit practitioners or patients from the medical side of things and it's a very satisfying way to donate. You know, if people can afford to contribute to their community, to try to make a difference in their community, I would encourage them to do it. That was Cynthia Burnett for our third conversation in our inaugural Giving Week podcast series, talking about her support of UQ through the Cynthia Burnett Travel Scholarship and the Francis Barron Burnett Stimulation Centre. If you'd like to know more about giving at UQ, please visit giving.uq.edu.au for more amazing stories ways that you can support our students, staff and researchers. I'm Zoe McDonald and thanks for listening.